Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 616 with our review of Greyhound. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. This week in the feeds, you will have found a review of Palm Springs. We have this review of Greyhound, and uh, we have a review of Relic and a review of First Cow. Um, so lots of stuff coming at you. Um, we don't have any, uh, you know, <laughs> any naval themed, uh, banter questions to start this episode off with. Um, so we're just going to dive straight into this episode for the sake of time. Um, so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Greyhound and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Congratulations on your first command at last. I'll always be looking for you, Evie. Even if I'm a thousand miles away. Air escort to Greyhound. You will now be out of range of air cover for the next five days. How many crossings does this make? This is my first. I got some. Most likely you both. He's trying to slip under us! We have a kill. Distress rocket, sir. We have hits directly on the convoy. The wolf bag's haunting us. You don't starboard bell! We've lost seven ships and 50 souls. What you did yesterday? Got us the day. It's not enough. Fire is there! Targets disappeared, sir. Here they come. What are we gonna do? We'll bring hell down from on high. Right. So that was the trailer for Greyhound. Um, Essentially, back in World War II, um, you know, America was sending a bunch of troops, cargo and whatnot over across the ocean, across the Atlantic. And uh, in this story, a, you know, inexperienced captain is basically sent on his first uh, journey to help protect a convoy going across the Atlantic over to the other side. And uh, they're trying not to get sunk by German submarines. Uh, So Stephen Miller... What did you think of Greyhound? Do you have another boom goes the dynamite here? Uh, no, I don't. It, it probably would be easy to come up with one, actually. Um, All right. I think this is a another classic guy is good at his job type of Tom Hanks movie that is all about like luxuriating in the details of how someone accomplishes a task well. And 
I had fun with it, even though I still don't think I understand any details of how you do any of the stuff in this movie. <laughs> um, it. It, it's an interesting thing. It, it's a very kind of like minimalistic movie considering the fact that it it looks at least like a pretty big budget kind of solid yeah. um, war film. Like it it does not overly glamorize anything. It doesn't have like long slow motion footage. It, this is not Saving Private Ryan. Like this is not a movie that is like, hoorah, look at how crazy war is. Like here's a major patriotic ode. This feels more like a one of those dark kind of confined war movies that is like, here's one very specific thing. We are going to show it like we would to a history buff dad or something and assume that that will be enough for the audience to just kind of like throw them into the thick of it and enjoy a few days worth of skirmishes. And it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. I don't think it is great by any means. I think it is a like completely bare bones, stripped down movie that wants to do one thing very well and it accomplishes it like i think if if you were curious what it would be like to be on a big destroyer ship that, that's what i'm going to call them i don't know navy words at all um <laughs> i think this tells you what it would be like like this tells you how the the protocols are they t- it tells you how quickly things can change how old equipment that is not like there are problems that could only have existed back then because now with technology, the idea of locating a thing is so easy like that the risk would be very different. And so you're you're brought back into this old school era of like analog equipment that can freeze because it's way too cold out there trying to track U-boats that are like floating beneath you and you just have sonar and math and your best bet and barely enough fuel or ammunition to get by. And yeah, I... I liked it. I I was into it. I I don't think it is very grand. I don't think it reaches that high. I don't feel like I know this captain at all at the end. Like, there isn't much characterization. It's just the the little things. Like, there's a tiny tear in his eye at one point in this movie. He's frequently asking for, like, slippers or a coat or little, like, niceties. And that it adds just enough for me to be on board and enjoy the history for what it is. But this isn't the movie that i would like rush out to see either i think it's just totally solidly fine and it has enough tom hanks for me to be happy with it (laughs) good thing it's free for anybody who owns an iphone (laughs) that that was made in the last year um yeah so this this film was originally coming to theaters obviously um covid put the kibosh on that so that's not happening anymore um but this I, i feel like this would be a good thing to see in um you know in an xd screening or something where you just really get like the 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 heft of the cannons being fired and the death charges going off um yeah if i can back up for a second i'm gonna tell a little a little side story which is just a fun little anecdote uh, it's really just fun for me um but uh you know when i was young That's the whole podcast chris <laughs> yeah, yeah true <laughs> touche steven um but yeah so a long time ago back in the day um you know, my dad had a computer when I was very young, but it was like business computer. You're not supposed to use it for anything but like spreadsheets and bouncing budgets and junk like that. And uh, right. he did have a few games, though. And one of the games he did have was a game which I could be getting this wrong, but I believe it was called Silent Steel. And it was a 
it was a like video that you watched. It was like a choose your own adventure submarine video game where you're basically watching a movie and then you make your decisions as the captain of the ship. And um, I, I literally, I have never made it past the first encounter with an enemy submarine. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this film was a fun exercise in seeing how scary it is to go up against <laughs> enemy submarines. All right, end of end of little side story. Um, but yeah, so the reason I asked you if you had another boom that goes to dynamite setup is because I feel like this film is for very many reasons an extremely good pair with the film Fury, um, which is another mm. film that that is about people going up against um, very very good killing German uh, war vessels, right? And I think that. What this film does great and makes me really, really enjoy that aspect of the, of the film is it really, it, it's not, this is not Battleship, right? Where like aliens are going off and things are shooting in the sky and like you see all that kind of stuff. This shows how ridiculous naval combat is. Like, like there's no reason why the subs shouldn't just sink every single thing in the ocean, right? Because they're semi-protected, they're underwater and like this... Just like there are scenes when the target is right there and you see it, but your guns can't hit it because those guns aren't meant to attack that thing at the angle that like there was very, very interesting things. And it, it just watching this film, I couldn't help but think of the evolution of just sea travel in general, right? Like you had first you had people building small boats and then you had really, really big boats. And as soon as you had boats that different people owned, they might try to attack each other. So you build like projectiles that could like, you know, I, like I assume the first thing was you pull up your ship along the enemy's ship and then you just jump on it and then start fighting, right? And then eventually you had like cannons and then every evolution in the type of thing, you have to adapt the thing that you have to be able to fight that thing. And there's so many aspects of the destroyers or whatever there are that are not meant for fighting everything they're meant for fighting one specific thing in one specific scenario and if you have to spend all your energy getting your ship into that scenario so that you can attack it like if this was if this was a, a massively multiplayer online game right where you were ships and submarines there's no way I would just see a flare go up and be like, I'm going to charge into the middle of open sea and just try to find this thing that I know is somewhere out there so th there, there is this what this film does great is it shows you the mechanics of war between submarines and battleships and that was incredibly entertaining to me <laughs> and I, I i i really got invested in watching the process of you know how i mean even though i will say it seemed like the submarine was all, always at like zero eight seven <laughs> I don't know why every time they were attacking the ship, it always came from that degree. Um, What's the deal with submarines always being a zero eight seven? Um, but but I, I really enjoyed this film for that aspect of it. As you said, this is beyond a reduced story. This is literally, it's like a 24 hour period of time or maybe, maybe it's 48 hours. It's something like very, very, maybe. yeah, it, it's something very, very simple. And it's literally just, Hey, that, that plane right there, it's not going to be able to protect us anymore. We got to survive um, for a while. And then however many of them make it, make it. And then the movie's over, right? And I, I think that th the film isn't telling an interesting story about a person. It's telling a compelling narrative about 
how scary it would be just to bring supplies across the ocean when you know that anywhere out there under the water, there is some scary ship ready to just sink you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it's an incredible look at naval combat and a story that I could care less about. Yep. I, I hear that. And it, it, it does care about the details. Like it, I, I keep thinking of this as a dad movie and it helps that like Tom Hanks wrote the screenplay for this movie. And yeah. I feel like he was just like, damn, I've been reading all these world war two books. I want to make <laughs> one into a movie. And if I star in it, it's going to get made for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it, it, it works, yeah. Like, I, I like the I like, logistics, too. I, I like the idea of him going into a pitch movie, and he's like, hey, uh, so I wrote the screenplay. What do you think about this, Apple? Big old war at sea. And they're like, hmm, that seems like it could be interesting. He's like, what about, what if I could get Tom Hanks to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because you... you the the monologue you gave about like the complications of naval travel and naval battle. I swear we've had that conversation in other episodes of the podcast, like probably the 300 sequel, <laughs> or maybe if we reviewed master and commander, but that was probably before our time on the pod. I think that, yeah, um, that was before our time. I don't know. Like, like it is true. And I was thinking of it too, of just how so many of these limitations, it, it's kind of like first man, right? Where you look at it and you're like, it is crazy that we did anything if you had just waited a little longer, the science could have caught up to what you wanted it to do. But of course, the whole point of war is you are like at the forefront of whatever is possible because the enemy is also going to have whatever you have. Um, like crossing the Atlantic, there's this gap that they can't make because planes can only really get like one way. So if you need to be able to safely turn around and go back and have some leftover fuel to do other things, like you can't do it, right? Lindbergh yeah, had yeah. only made his flight a little bit before this movie. Um, and if they just waited like a decade or something... <laughs> there would be aircraft carriers. <laughs> yeah, it'd be no big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, yeah. you would have aircraft carriers alongside you and that would solve... I think even in World War II, they had them, but I guess they were still like rare enough that they couldn't just use them. Um, <laughs> but so many of these things are just about like very specific technical limitations and how yeah. you work around them. I also, so I did think about Fury uh, in Thing of Comparisons. I also, the imitation game is something that came up in my head because sending encrypted messages was a big deal. And that is another thing where they're just like racing to pe beat the other person in this like very archaic, it, it's a science that will not last long because the world is going to change constantly. And all you have to do yeah. is be better than your opponent for a little bit of time. Um, yeah, I, I found that totally entertaining, too. It was just the, the threadbare nature of everything in this movie just made it kind of like I watched it, I liked it, and then it like flittered out of my brain like immediately <laughs> after I watched it. But it does have little good Hanks moments. Like there is a a character uh, whose last name is Cleveland in this movie that we get to see just enough about him to have like a, a tiny little emotional arc in this movie. Yeah. Um, I like his... Hanks is grizzled, like, I'm just doing the job. That's all I'm here for. I'm just going to stay awake, stay alert, try to do the best I can. Like, it, it's fine. It, it's a good Tom Hanks vehicle. I'm I'm on board. I am sure this is a better Battleship movie than Battleship was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that 
you know, it, it's I, I still it still brings me back to like wanting to make video game analogies with it um, because I feel like, you know, I I play a lot of Destiny 2, play a lot of shooting games. Um, I'm not the best at all these games. Um, I generally uh, I generally spec a weapon that has a large magazine and can fire a lot of bullets because eventually I'll get pretty good with some of those bullets, <laughs> but a lot of them are going to miss too. And I'm so used to playing games where you just unload hell on the enemy and then there's just unlimited ammo anywhere. And if, if, if you're out of ammo, you're probably going to get killed any second. When you respawn, you'll be full of ammo again for your next round playing. But like this really shows that like there's just a submarine under the water somewhere. So I'm just going to dump like, 10 death charges you're like well how many death charges do you have i don't know like 15 <laughs> it just it's crazy to me that anybody ever survived <laughs> it's just it's yeah. a very very interesting like and honestly i think the only reason that anybody really ever surprised survived making it across the atlantic is because apparently u-boats could only fire torpedoes from just below the surface it wasn't something that you could be like deep underwater and fire up at a ship because if you could do that it would just like there's nothing anybody could ever do to you because <laughs> the death charge is gonna reach that low right it just seems crazy yeah. that like everything is about overcoming the limitations of the other person that you're fighting and it's not really about you having a particularly interesting vehicle it's just it's just <laughs> How do you barely skirt, skirt by what the enemy is having to do? Um, yeah, it just blows yeah. my mind. So it, in our Ford v. Ferrari episode, which we were reminded of recently, we played a game <laughs> of like, we both don't know anything about cars. Let's try to talk about cars. I don't know anything <laughs> about naval warfare. So I'm just going to ask, did we have submarines also? <laughs> or did only Germany have them? Because I feel like a submarine would be ba way better at hunting another submarine <laughs> than a like giant boat on the surface that just has to like wait to be attacked. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I honestly don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> if you would ask me beforehand, I maybe would have done a little googling. I was too busy trying to Google what the turning radius of a World War II naval ship was uh, because they sure seem to turn very, very fast in this film. Yeah, or just fast enough every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's also the just how much you miss and how easy it is. Again, the fact that it is all about the limitations and knowing the limitations of your enemy. Like, there are decoys in this movie, things that trick the sensors, and they are not like giant fake submarines. They are just things that happen to register the same on the specific equipment that they're using right like they're so much of it is this game of chess between two people who are just like racing to have slightly better equipment and better methods for finding each other it yeah and i do think like all movies at least not all movies all war movies or at least all good war movies hint a little bit at the futility of war or the fact that it is all cyclical right forever for whatever little grand thing that happened in this moment, there are going to be like thousands and thousands of others that are meaningless. Um, and this does have little bookends that kind of hint at that of like whatever we've just gone through. This is just one of thousands of like-minded things that are going to happen and you're going to get numb to it eventually. And I, I, I did kind of think that was a nice little, I don't, like, like a nice little thing to keep in mind in this movie of like 
I don't even think this is dramatizing it as much as most war movies, but it still has that kind of zoom out moment at the end of like, yeah, this whole thing was fucked. And I, yeah, I like yeah. that. Well, so, so you, you mentioned the decoys and stuff that are talked about in this film. One of the things I couldn't help but think about in this film is like, we do find out about a decoy and the whole point of that decoy is to make sounds that sonar would pick up um, and you would get the acoustic resonance that sounded like maybe a propeller spinning and a person making a move in a certain direction. And then you might follow mm -hmm. them or try to bomb that thing um, and not know that it wasn't actually a ship or whatever. But one of the things I learned um, in this film is that one of the only ways you know you've blown up a submarine is you look for all the oil and shit and debris to come up to the surface. Like, why would you not just have like a cargo bay full of oil and shit? And then if somebody's mm -hmm. like dropping death charges on you, you like release that up into, into the water and they go like, cool, we got them. Let's move on and get somebody else. And then you just like sink them. That's a good call. Yeah. Or a decoy that makes the sound of an exploding ship. <laughs> yeah but if but like they at, like at one point they think they got it and they're out looking for oil so i think that if you get the sound yeah. of an exploding ship then i don't think it does the same thing also yeah. it might just be an effect that's in movies but it always seems like when a ship that is underwater explodes it like implodes on itself and then it explodes upwards in like a larger blast that's not just an explosion it seems like it has to do with the water being undisplaced by the submarine yeah. <laughs> so i feel like you see like a good like um that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah that, that was definitely cool did you want to eat ham and eggs after watching this movie <laughs> i want it every time every time his 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 like breakfast or whatever got brought to him and he's like shit we gotta go try to rescue another ship i was like i'll eat that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know if i was just hungry while i was watching it but especially because they do convey the how cold and isolating it is on that boat and like when you're feeling that way you'd like like you either want a plate of ham and eggs or you want maybe a, a biscuit with some honey and a little bit of cinnamon grated on top is that foreshadowing to a, to a later yeah, review? That's foreshadowing. <laughs> Get your oily cakes. <laughs> Ooh. Those, di those did look damn good. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we're not quite ready to talk about oily cakes. Um, just oil slicks on the top of the ocean after destroying a U-boat. Um, but yeah, do you have any last thoughts about this film, Stephen? Nope. <laughs> no, fine <laughs> fine movie i i guess one last thing is that uh i'm forgetting the name of the movie i want to compare it to what was the joseph gordon levitt movie we just reviewed a couple episodes oh, ago 7500 yeah, yeah i i did get a little bit of 7500 vibes too here in that it seemed to be just interested in the mechanics of what a the equivalent of a cockpit is yeah and how it would feel to go through an emergency without an ability to really go anywhere or do anything so i dude, I, I thought those kind of paired nicely together dude that that freaking uh when you're out on when you're in front of the bridge and you're outside and you're on the front there's that thing where you lift up the tube and you scream into a you scream into a pipe to talk to the people yeah. back in the bridge that that blew my mind that that's even like a thing it's just like when you're outside the ship that's how you talk to the people inside the ship um yeah that was it does really also get get to how 
how failure prone all of this was, right? Like he says a thing and another guy repeats it and shouts it. So another guy can phone it to a person who is hearing a staticky version of it and then reading a staticky instrument and reading back numbers to them. Like it, computers really helped the world a lot <laughs> when they find yeah, yeah. helped. I mean, made it easier for us to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on who you talk to, that's helping, I guess. <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, what do you say, Steve, when we get to our verdicts for Greyhound? Sure. All right, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving this a totally happy wait for rental. I, I don't think this movie is doing anything all that special. It It is very bare-bones, and it isn't even a bare-bones character study. It is just like a bare-bones study of the mechanics of naval warfare around world war ii um but it was it was it was fun it was, it was fine like i think you'll have a good time if you think you'll want to watch it you will probably like it i just don't i don't think it lasts very long and i don't think it really is doing anything particularly interesting beyond you know a little history channel episode so i i, I liked it just fine it just didn't have very much staying power but tom hanks is always good <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this film for like the mechanics a aspect of understanding how naval combat works. And I really, really enjoyed that. But as we've said already, there isn't a lot going with the overall presentation of what it's doing. It's just like, whoa, how insane is it to have to fight a naval battle? Um, so while I like that, I'm also going to give it a wait for rental. Um, but but yeah, I think, you know, it, maybe if you're going to do a double feature of, with this and Fury, then maybe that bumps it up a little bit just so you can have that like, oh shit, tank fighting is really crazy. Oh shit, naval fighting is really crazy. And then you can just like be like, thank God I don't have to do any of this. <laughs> tanks, but no tanks. <laughs> is that, did you say that in the Fury yeah, episode? Yeah, I said that in the Fury episode, however many years ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh well i believe that's going to bring us to the end of our review of greyhound so steven if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh people can find me at twitter.com sdavidmiller and sdavidmiller.com and you boat i'm not gonna boat all right so well people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at the spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to subscribe to the show you can do so in overcast stitcher apple podcasts or wherever podcasts are found um if you want to know that episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning facebook.com slash the spoilerwarning or instagram.com slash the spoilerwarning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the spoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site the music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, Greyhound so hopefully you're enjoying that and uh, yeah we got two more reviews still to do for you so we're gonna head off and do that and uh, hopefully not get sunk by any torpedoes in the meantime so talk to you later bye <laughs>